the CRO Spotlight Podcast. Pro Farm Production. Hi, I'm Warren Zena, founder and CEO of the CRO Collective, and welcome to the CRO Spotlight Podcast. This podcast is for chief revenue officers, aspiring CROs, and CEOs who are looking to hire or support a CRO to succeed. So join me and my expert guests as we debate, discuss, and tackle today's complex revenue growth challenges and provide practical insights to help CROs succeed in the role. We're really excited to have you with us. Now let's get to it. All right. And welcome to the episode of uh, CRO Spotlight Podcast. I'm Warren Zena. CEO and founder of the CRO Collective, and I'm real excited today. I've got a great guest on, one that I've been looking at for a long time. Salespeople often hate their CRM. Why? Because they are hard to use, difficult to customize, and expensive to maintain. This means leads and opportunities don't get updated. Things get missed and sales can suffer. Insightly is the modern CRM that teams love. Easy to use, flexible enough to support your unique needs and scales with you as you grow. This helps you sell smarter, grow faster and build lasting customer relationships. Insightly is trusted by more than a million users worldwide. For more information, visit insightly.com forward slash get insightly. A lot of you know him. Kevin, KD, Dorsey, thank you so much for being here. So, you know, uh, KD is, um, I listen to his podcast. I watch his YouTube stuff. I certainly follow him a lot on LinkedIn. And he's a huge voice in the sales training development uh, community, probably one of the tops. Uh, the Live Better, Sell Better podcast I listen to. Uh, you know, he's also got some really interesting things going on that I wanted to have him talk about. But I really would love, Kevin, for us to talk a bit about the chief revenue officer role and the way it's evolved. And how chief revenue officers, when they're trying to grab the entire revenue operation and they have to oversee sales, what your perspective is on how your training philosophies and your approaches would ladder up to somebody who oversees the bigger picture and has to integrate marketing and integrate customer success into a larger sales effort or growth effort. And that's sort of like the kickoff point. But I'd love to just, thanks for being here. No, I'm, pump, I'm pumped for this because I love... I love what you're doing with it as well, right? With the CRO collective. It's like the higher up you go, the the lonelier it is. The fewer people you can talk to about right. what it is that goes on in the day-to-day life. So I love what's what's happening here. I'm pumped to dive in, man. So let's, let's do it. Great. Well, you're right. Uh, it's funny when I do, I do a lot of events and talking and what happens whenever I'm finished, CROs come up to me and they say, do you have a CRO event, uh, membership community? Because this job's lonely, man. I got mm-hmm. nobody to talk to. You know, when I talk to my CEO, they're just barking orders at me. You know, they're looking at me like I'm, I got a number on my back. And when I talk down to my head of marketing, my head of sales, head of customer success, they're figuring out what does he want from me? You know, I just, there's no one for me to turn to. And the other thing too, is, as you know, CROs are typically, they come from sales. They're competitive. It's hard to get another CRO to tell you what's going on because they sort of like want to keep their mask on, like things are going great and things are rocking it, right? When it's not, it's really tough. So you're right, it is lonely. And so I would say when you think about the work that you've been doing, especially as things have evolved over the last, let's say, five years, I think it's been a huge evolution of things in the last five years, COVID being part of it. But I also think also, I think there's some maturity going on in the marketplace around this hyper growth and how it hasn't been working. 
when you think about a chief revenue officer whose job is to manage and wrangle together everybody and also create outcomes for both the CEO and the board, what are some initial things you think about that a chief revenue officer needs to be conscious of and from a standpoint of developing and training all, all their organizations? Well, so first, it's remembering what the R in CRO stands for. It's revenue. Whereas a lot of CROs that I know and speak to still think it's a you know, CSO role, where it's chief sales officer. Like they came yeah. from sales, so they think about sales, and they don't do a great job of thinking about revenue, where there are different ways to get to the number that they're supposed to. It's almost always being looked at as like new bookings or new customers, whereas a two-point reduction in churn and an expansion addition of 5%, you don't even have to grow your sales team this year. You could actually expand there. So it's one just remembering its revenue and how each one of the um, orgs connects to that as a company. But the, the big one, man, that I'm working on a lot with people, and you know, I just stepped back into a senior revenue role, and you know, I, have, I have all the orgs except for marketing, but I feel like I'll probably have that one by the end of the year because I brought my VP of marketing mm -hmm. over with me. So that one's you know, going to play out there, is really operationalizing what you're looking to do. So like I have a leadership methodology that I roll out across all my orgs because it applies to all of the orgs in terms of what we look at and how we function. And so I think that's really the key also is that chief is you have to kind of roll out that methodology of how does your team communicate? How do they look at metrics? How do they understand the data? What is expected from them on a regular basis and setting that vision? That's where I see more CROs kind of miss is they get so obsessed just on the dollar and they don't think about what they need to do to connect all the orgs together. Right. I, you're 100% right. That is, that is the problem. I say it's coming from two places. One, and this is because I speak to probably like eight CROs a week, is most CROs come from sales, right? So they're, they're leaders already. They know how to do that. That's how they've proven themselves. And that's how they got the job. So when they step into this new thing, they're always going to lead with their strengths, which is growing sales organizations, right? And they kind of forget that they have to switch their paradigm and mm -hmm. kind of like not bias the sales organization. But it's hard to do when the pressure's on it's easier to just run over to your sales organization and just make that work because you're not going to get, you know, it's not like you're going to get yelled at for that, but it's, it's not on point. And then the second part of that is that is enabled by the organization who also is feeling the pinch and wants the sales to grow. Mm -hmm. And so when you drift over into the sales channel to kind of keep yourself secure in your job, it's almost like everyone's saying, well, that's actually not a bad idea. And then what, it, what ends up happening with my clients is they get stuck there. Mm -hmm. They can't get back to the strategic role because they sort of drifted to sales to kind of save themselves and they lost the bigger picture. So what we're trying to do, and I think it'll be interesting to get your perspective on this, is how does an organization then ensure that sales doesn't get biased with a CRO role and keep the strategic uh, function going without giving into the pressure of trying to use that person to grow the pipeline all the time. So the, the first answer will be a cop out. We won't spend a lot of time on it, but like it starts with the CEO and what directions they are giving and allowing, like yep. how they built the comp plan, how the goals are being set, all of that. Cause CEOs, investors and boards are just as bad as everybody else is when things get tight, they do. It's like, Hey, we just need to grow more. So they yep. push that. 
right? So that's the cop-out answer. There's not too much we can do about that other than communicating up properly. If I think about it, like the way I approach it is I wish more CROs understood. I made up a word two years ago. No, God, it was three years ago at a conference. You know, the topic was alignment, right? Yep. Similar topic, like how do you align all of your orgs? And I said, actually, I don't like that word because you can be aligned, but be in different lanes. The word I changed it to was leverage, right? Leveragement was the word that I came up hmm. with. And so if a CRO sat down and said, how can I leverage CS to improve my sales? How could I leverage sales to improve my marketing? How could I leverage marketing to improve CS and sales? It changes what you look for, right? So I'm looking for leverage. So classic example, okay, who tends to know the voice of the prospect better? Sales, marketing, or CS? CS, I think, in my opinion. The, the, so no, you, you not quite. The prospect, not the customer. I'm going to get oh, to I that. Follow you. Okay, I got you. Yeah, so it's going to be the sales people who know the, the prospect best. Sales team knows sure. the language of the prospect more. Are they sharing that with marketing to yep. make the ads better, to get the objection sheets handled, to get the testimonials needed to handle the objections? Who knows more about what customers do and prospects do without us, right? What their behavior is. Well, that's with marketing. What yep. are they searching for? What are they downloading? What are those keywords? What are the long tails? Well, that makes my sales work better in terms of my prospecting messaging, my cadences, everything there. And then you nailed it. Who knows the voice of the customer the best? Customer success, obviously. Sure. Customer yep. success. How can marketing leverage that? Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes marketing like rarely talks to CS. They'll talk to sales sometimes, but they rarely talk to CS. And so what I try to encourage people to do is stop asking and looking for alignment, but look for leverage. What does each org have access to that the other orgs don't that would make the other orgs better? Because we also know there's things sales could do that would make CS's job easier. Yep. We know that. For we sure. Think about it that yep. way. So I'll pause there, but it's looking for leverage, not alignment across the orgs. That's great. I really like that. I would say the thing that's, the challenge, because you you are correct. I mean, alignment is, I think leverage is more of a, it, it, it's more of an actionable or it's more of an intentional way of looking at it, right? Mm -hmm. Looking at a way to improve something or do something or utilize something. Um, is that with, with, the, with the chief revenue officer, this is what's important about the role to kind of follow on that same theme is that you need, in my view, and I think this is what's missing in my, when you have silos or misalignment, if you don't have somebody that's looking at that leverage or responsible for that leverage, you don't get it, right? You don't, it's not like marketing gets up independently, walks over to the sales department, asking questions. I mean, maybe you do sometimes, and most of the time you don't. They're, they have independent um, KPIs. They're fighting against each other sometimes. They argue with each other. You know, the stuff that marketing gives sales doesn't work for them. So instead of them saying something, they just don't use it, you know. But if you have this uh, leader, which we call the chief revenue officer, who is looking to leverage them, that CRO is going to encourage discussion and create it. So it's not even as much just a matter of saying, hey, guys, talk to each other. It also, you have to bake it into the process where the KPIs and the global revenue um, goals force leverage, mm -hmm. right? So that in order for me to hit my goals, I need to talk to sales. In order for, because it's all about motivation, right? How people are incentivized. And I think this is where a lot of it comes into play is building a system 
that's designed to have people collaborate with each other because the outcomes require it. And that's where I think a CRO is going to be most effective. I'd love to hear what you think about that. Yeah, I think it gets a little tricky towards the end of like tying different orgs to different results that they may not be fully attached to. But I do like like the concept, whether there's a, a company bonus or a team bonus of like, hey, we get to this. We go through it. I like it truthfully about setting the expectation and then inspecting what you expect. Yep. Like it's not even like, hey, y'all should. It's like, say you were my VP of sales. Like, Warren, I need you to meet with marketing and share with them the top five objections you are losing deals for right now so they can go create content around it. Mm -hmm. Can you do that? Yes. Then I meet with Jared, my VP of marketing on Thursday. Did you get the five top closed lost reasons right now from Warren on how we are losing deals right now. What is your marketing plan and videos to address that? Hey, VP of sales to talk like, so it's, it's coordinating. Like I really view my role in a CRO role as you know, it's almost like an offensive or defensive coordinator. Exactly. We're not the ones doing it, but damn it, we have to be the ones aligning and leveraging where we ensure it happens because the flip side is also true. You're my VP of sales and I ask you to bring that to marketing and then you don't. Well, then I know where I have a weak link in the chain. I go to marketing to say, hey, Warren brought this to you. What have you done with it? Nothing. I know where I have a weak link. So it's like that, like you, you nailed it. Like that's what the CRO is supposed to be doing yes. is ensuring that all of these pieces are working together, not just looking at the sales org and saying that. Because also, by the way, the tips I'm giving will improve your sales org. If they if they understood the voice of the customer better, your sales team's going to get better. If marketing was making collateral that actually used, they would get better. If they knew the top closed lost reasons and how they could get ahead of that, they'd be better. And by the way, this also feeds the product because I do not ask my product team to build things I'm not losing deals over. Yep, that happens all the time too. CROs listening, you know you do that. You go to product and you're like, hey, like we need this feature, and it's for like one customer. And you can't actually justify it, but you go ask for it. If I'm not losing deals over that feature, I'm not asking. Yep. That's a good point. So you just made an important distinction, and that is the leaders of those functions and their competence, right? So when you're evaluating, I, I look at it this way. I'd like to hear your points on this. So when you're evaluating your um, head of marketing, your head of sales, and your head of customer success within the organizational framework that you and I are kind of thinking at right now, the way I look at it is, the best VP of sales, the best head of marketing, the best customer success leader, maybe doesn't certainly have expertise in selling or running a sales team, but they certainly understand the importance of how that data affects their job and they're looking for it, right? They're actively saying, all right, I'm not just a silo. And I know that if I don't go over and talk to my head of sales about the way customers are responding to things in prospecting conversations, then I'm just not doing my job because that's part of the job. So, if I'm evaluating a head of sales or head of marketing, I'm going to ask them, what do you think uh, marketing's contribution is to how sales works, right? And the answer that they're going to give me is give me a lot of insights into the way that they think about that organization. And it's going to give me insights in the way that they're going to interact with that organization. And I think what happens too often is there's, because I, I work with clients on hiring. And so the questions I usually get looked at around, well, check this guy out, find out how well he's run sales organizations, what his success track record's been on growing X, Y. But what I rarely hear is find out what their thoughts are on how they work with a marketing organization. 
They never asked me to, to ask them that question. It's like, well, why wouldn't you want to know that, answer that question? And I think it's because there's, in leadership, there still exists this silo, right? I, I think that organization CEOs need to have a greater, broader understanding of the way a revenue operation works. It's the three most important uh, customer-facing parts of your business, and they all are related to each other. And I do think that the RevOps, this, I want to talk to you about this, the rise in the RevOps model, which you obviously speak to a lot, is creating more awareness of how data is used to connect a lot of different pieces and disparate pieces of the process and how you see that being working right now in your conversations with clients. Because I do think that, that the RevOps and tech stack optimization model is driving a lot more conversation around awareness of groups and how they work together. Uh, you used the word I was hoping you, you would. So might be a hot take. I don't love what revenue operations has become because I believe it's lost sight of what it was actually supposed to be, which was the other O word you used, which is optimize. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Have we gone deep in revenue operations, mm -hmm. tooling, the data, the connections, the dashboards, like all, like we have operations for everything. Very few RevOps orgs and leaders, to me, I feel are focused on optimization, yep. meaning making things better. Mm -hmm. That I feel has been lost in, in all of this. And so one of the questions I ask, like when I'm interviewing RevOps, people is like, look, because they will, they'll talk about the data. I can't remember who said it. Y'all can go Google it. It's one of my favorite quotes is, you know, we are drowning in data, but starving for insights. Yep. Can't remember who said it, but if you can't find it, then it's me. Quote me for it. Got it. And it's so true. It's like RevOps will be bubbling up all of this data, all these numbers, but there's no insight. AKA, what am I supposed to do with it? Where are my levers? And so when I'm interviewing RevOps leaders, what I'm asking them is, can you give me an example of when you found the diamond in the data? And we're able to craft a strategy on how to leverage it. So RevOps to me, I think initially was, was created because also funny to me is a lot of, you know, VPs and CROs aren't great with data, which is nope. surprising to me. Like I, like, I feel like it's just table stakes at this point. And so, but you had to create an org apparently to do this now. But now what you have is you have a data focused org with a CRO that still doesn't understand how to interpret the data, mm -hmm. which then, then allows RevOps sometimes to carry too much weight, and I've experienced this, where they go to finance and go, hey, these industries over here close twice as high. So we should be going after them more. And then finance puts that into a plan and says, well, these close at a higher 2x higher clip, so your conversion rate should go up. Therefore, the assumption this plan should rise. You go, if I could just go get them, don't you think I would? Like, exactly. do you think I'm intentionally not going after the higher converting channels? Right. Right? So like sometimes RevOps, again, because they don't understand the sales side, right? They, they make assumptions that they shouldn't. So that's my hot take on RevOps. We're like, conceptually, I agree with it. In execution, it's far from optimized. Look, look at where we are right now in the industry. 
Like we have gotten so far away from optimizing because we've been so focused on operations that things aren't getting better. We're just doing more of stuff. Yep. Yep. And I, I do think that the um, busy work is a very good, it hides people behind, well, I'm busy and I'm working on stuff and look at me go and look at my hand on the keyboard. Boy, am I busy. Boy, mm -hmm. but, and I, I do think that it, we've created a software nightmare and I look at tech stacks now and I can't believe all the stuff that people have piled upon themselves and how you could possibly extract any value out of them. And a lot of these things are bought because, you know, one person in one department sold upstream to the head of sales and said, we really need Gong and nothing against Gong. But, you know, it's just another one of the things that, you know, another tool that people use that only a quarter of the organization actually uses properly and only a, a, a small minuscule of that actually gets anything out of it that makes any sense. And I spoke to the folks over there and they told me people really aren't using it as well mm -hmm. as they should be. Right. So I think you're right. I think a lot of this has to do with um, losing focus on what matters, right? And so... To that end, right, I, I, you and I are completely aligned on this. The idea behind RevOps is it's an optimization system. It's supposed to be designed to take the data, find the data that matters, remove the data that doesn't matter, which is, in my opinion, distractions. That's all that is. Because look, let's face it, if I have a mountain of data and I don't know what data is good, I'm not going to get rid of anything because I'm afraid I'm going to throw out the good stuff. So instead, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit and look at a pile, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking at a pile all day long. So a really good RevOps function will make sense of that and say, no, 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 this is the only stuff that really matters. And usually, and you and I both know, usually a very small amount of things really matter. It's like these things are key. Yeah. And if you focus on these things, uh, it's it's much like the, the money ball model, right? I mean, that was a great scene, which everyone knows when he's explaining to him, you got to get on base. This guy gets on base because when people get on base, that means they can be set up to score. I don't care about home runs or mm -hmm. steal, stolen bases. Those things are all great for vanity and the crowd goes nuts. But we need people to get on base. So how do we find people that get on base? That, that's such a great analogy for the way I think RevOps should be working is identify your company's key optimized uh, um, events and then build an organization that forces those things to happen until they don't work anymore and then make them better, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that, again, this is, kind of leads to a second question, which you just hinted at. What makes a better CRO? Is it a sales leader? Is it a RevOps person? Like, what's the profile? If you were to take, uh, if you're recruiting like a quarterback at the CRO, what are the sort of competencies that you're looking for that make the CRO one that you think would probably best succeed? So for sure, the first thing I'm looking at is called cross-functional leadership. Are they able to connect the dots? Right? So I'm looking for examples of how have you leveraged your CS org to increase sales? How have you leveraged your sales org to increase lead flow from marketing? So I'm looking for examples of how have they connected the dots between their org? What is their operating cadence? So that's a one big chunk. The mm -hmm. second is data, right? But not just data, it's the interpretation, but then the optimization. So one of my favorite questions to ask a senior sales leader is, tell me about a time you identified something in the data that was holding back your team or was a potential lever, how you found it, what you did about it, and what the end result was. Hmm. Because this is going to give me the full scope of one, do they understand that? And this is where I'm really listening to how they answer. Well, my RevOps team brought, nope, already off. Someone else found it for you. Got it. Mm -hmm. I want to know how you have discovered this, but then what you did about it, right? That's like the, the missing sauce for a lot is it sounds a lot like this and it starts to get into my methodology a little bit more. Mm -hmm. It's like, 
first, a lot of leaders used results-based language. Hey, we need more pipeline. Hey, we got to bring up our sales. We need churn to come down. Okay, that's great, right? So what I teach people is you can't change a result without changing a metric. Mm -hmm. So each one of my orgs has their number one metric. What's the number one metric they are focused on? But then in order to change that metric, you have to change a behavior, individual, process, skill, or you. So the leadership methodology I roll out to my orgs, it's called BIPC, behavior, individual, process, skill, or you. That's how we have to solve those problems for that number one metric. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, I can't say bring down churn. I have to identify, well, what metric is impacting churn? Is it utilization? Is it speed to onboard? Is it speed to impact? Is it MPS? score is it seats utilized like there's going to be a number one metric associated to that end result that's what i'm rallying that team around and then we have to identify the behaviors the individuals the process the skills or you as the leader doing the wrong things to impact it right so like that's what i'm looking for is what is that leadership system now right so i'm looking for cross-functional can they rally people around a vision and get them to work together i'm looking at their interpretation of data but more importantly can they change the data it's one thing to know your close rates are too low. Another thing to roll out a plan on how to address it. And then similarly, I'm listening for, do they talk about other orgs or do they only talk about the sales org? Mm -hmm. Right. And then the last one, truthfully, whether this is a hard skill or soft skill is like the, the storytelling aspect. Can they craft a story? Can they, they, can they communicate in a way that pulls people in? This is where sometimes when you see, you know, CROs that maybe come from too much of the data background is they can spit out the data, but they can't rally a team around it. And mm -hmm. so then nothing changes. And so I am looking for that. I does not mean they have to be an extrovert. That's not what I'm saying. They do need to be able to craft a good story to create that vision and rally people around. It. So those are the big ones that I look for. Yeah, it's great. Love it. It's great. I think you're, I love the idea of being that sort of, uh, forensic scientist of asking, okay, what did you discover? What'd you do about it? How did you discover it? Those insights are really important. And I think what happens is all too often I'm seeing with my clients is they're hiring heads of sales that do a great job running sales organizations. They think this guy's a killer. This person's a killer. Really grow a pipeline, you know, close more deals. We need someone like that in here. They get in there and because they don't have the skills that you just mentioned and they're not being managed against those skills, they end up just running sales yep. and they have this CRO title and uh, it sort of the organization doesn't benefit from what the CRO could actually do for the organization. And they can't figure out why they still can't make sense of things. So this kind of leads to another question, which you said something at the beginning of this, when you mentioned this, you said you don't have marketing yet. This is an interesting thing. When I'm speaking to most CROs I talk to, the last let's call it mile that most CROs is they, they don't get marketing. It's like they, it's like the last thing they get is marketing. I two questions for you. Why do you think that is? Why is it that CROs aren't given marketing just as like, like right out of the box, right? When you know, you and I both understand that's like the whole thing. And the second thing is what do they do about it? What does a founder do when they create what I call the C-suite traffic jam and they've got the yeah. CRO and the CMO in the same box like, okay, I've just created a pretty bad, let's call it leverage problem. Keep mm -hmm. your language, okay? So what are, you, what are your thoughts on this one? Because this is a really big problem that CROs are having right now. So to the first part of the question of why I think it happens, I think it's a lack of understanding from the CEO role first on how they are supposed to work together. 
yeah. in terms of like just that what they are and how aligned they should be. It's mm-hmm. like one of those things where, you know, it happens in SaaS more than people realize of how like the old way has still permeated. Like you have a sales leader, you have a marketing leader. That's just what we do, That's right? That's just what like, you do. You yep. know? And oh, well, I see CMOs out there, so I better go get a CMO. And mm-hmm. well, now I got a CRO, so we'll, I guess, go get that too. Mm-hmm. And now what the traffic jams, as you call it? Like, yep, yep. Like, the C suite right. traffic jam is what happens. Right. Yeah. But now it's like, well, how do you go take that CMO and say you'll report to, you know, the CRO? That Major problem. Hard. Major right. problem. But also a big part of it is how few. I'll say sales and then, you know, revenue leaders actually understand marketing. True. So if you don't understand it, you can't lead it. Yep. Doesn't mean you have to be good at it, but you at least have to understand it. And I was very, very blessed in my early career. My first, I call it big sales leadership job where I built my first almost hundred person org. Um, the co-founder of the company was also the CMO, Andy Mackinson. Yep. And he and I worked in lockstep, like, cause I loved marketing. Like we, we went to the marketing conferences together. Like if I wasn't in sales, I'd be in marketing. And so I learned so much about marketing, branding, funnels, lead conversion, channel optimization. Like I learned a lot there. A lot of sales leaders never get that because there's mm-hmm. already that divide. So they don't understand it enough where I know I can go to my VP of marketing right now and I can drill down into a specific lead channel and say, you know, Facebook leads are converting one third as our earned channel. I need us to over optimize. We have to stop. Like I can speak marketing. Doesn't mean I could go do his job, but I sure as hell can ask the right questions to ensure the job's getting done. And I don't think a lot of sales leaders ever get those conversations. And so to, you know, you talk about the different groups listening, if you're an aspiring CRO, yep. start sitting in on marketing meetings. Just invite yourself. Hey, could I join some of your meetings? Could I join in and just listen to what they talk about, what they're doing, what their struggles are? And you start to be able to speak it. That's what I see. Like CEOs, just that they build their org, they create the traffic jam. But truthfully, I don't think a lot of CROs or VPs understand marketing enough other than where are my leads warren yep where are my leads they're they're, oh they don't have budget warren these leads don't have budget so oh yeah because marketing can just go get people with budget right let's make that the ad you have budget for our tool opt in today yep look you're 100 right and this is we're we're seeing is the reason why we created what we call the cro readiness program is the cro readiness is the the readiness that a company is for a CRO. Are you ready for one? And there's a lot of factors that go into it. One, the first one, if I were to codify the steps, is do you know what one is? So, you know, we speak to a head, of, head of, I mean, the founder or CEO, and, you know, I have a very quick little questionnaire, and it, 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 it reveals to me very quickly what they think the role is, mm-hmm. which would then lead me to understand, left alone, how they would manage one. So if they think that it's their head of sales, then that's that's what they're going to do. That's just how they're going to manage it, right? So the first part is to kind of course correct that and provide a little more guidance as to what a CRO does and why this is beneficial to your company. Why should you look at it that way? Why? What's the benefit? And the second part is, okay, now you know what one does. Is your company ready for one yet? And what that means is, 
is that what happens usually is you bring on a chief revenue officer, even with the knowledge of what they're supposed to do. But to you and I earlier conversation, if I don't have the proper data analysis of what's working or not, and I have the CRO like off running off on a task to try and figure that out, they're probably not going to because they're not going to have enough like runway to get that finished. That's a pretty big job. They're probably going to be tasked with trying to get some other ROI on that hire pretty soon. Mm -hmm. So we do that. But the point I'm making is the key part of it, the first part, is making sure the CEO knows exactly what the utilization of this role is and the benefit of the company and why they need to position this person properly. Now, most of the time when we hire, we get someone to hire a CRO, and, and you probably know this too, is for some reason they seem to always promote their heads of marketing to CMOs really early. So they've already got a CMO in place and now they got to deal with that traffic jam. And that's not an easy one because now you're sort of usurping someone who's achieved a C-suite title and now they have to deal with this weird sort of other thing. And that's what makes the CRO role so challenging. So in your case, right? So you said that you just brought on your own head of marketing. So this is someone that you know and you've got a relationship with. What, what would you suggest if I'm a CRO and I'm in a situation where I've been put into the job, I've been told that the company is aware of the fact that the CRO is a revenue leader, but there's a CMO. What might be sort of a way to navigate that so that it can result in what you and I are talking about without being too disruptive, you know, because this is a common thing. This happens a lot with like my clients. Well, it depends on what the, the end goal is, right? If the end goal is just to have a great relationship with marketing that leads to higher sales, the CMO doesn't have to report to you sure. to yep. do that, right? So like, I would still encourage like to like build that relationship, learn what they're focused on, but share and share insights. None of this BS Hey, marketing, the leads aren't good. That doesn't help anybody, right? Mm -hmm. You have to understand why are they not good? Like, why yeah. are they not good? What's wrong with them, right? Like, where are they coming from? Like, so share insights with them of like what you can do, but also not just on the leads. Leverage marketing in your mid funnel, the bottom of the funnel, the kickoff calls, right? Like, there's all sorts of places to leverage marketing. So, like, that's just build a stronger relationship. If it is, trying to understand the dynamic of like, basically how do I get the CMO to either report to me or understand the, the hierarchy, mm -hmm. so to speak. One that actually starts just like any sales process. You have to start with the decision maker in this. You mm -hmm. need to actually be working on the CEO first, that they see your point of view in this as well. That until marketing is rolling to this revenue org, there will always be a budding of heads, right? Or that the comp plans need to change. The bonus plans need to change. One of the reasons why I love working with Jared, he's one of the few marketing leaders I've worked with where he's like almost over optimizes to revenue, funny enough, mm -hmm. where like, he'd be like, Hey, like, yeah, we're, we're behind on our lead count, but we're pacing to revenue. I'm like, yeah, yep. I love that. But I still need those leads. Mm -hmm. I still need those, those leads. That means we're overperforming in conversion in yeah. different places. I still need that. But he thinks revenue first and works backwards, it. right? That yep. mm -hmm. it's having those conversations. But again, to the earlier point we were making, you have to be able to communicate it to marketing in marketing speak. Yep. What is that conversion rate by channel? What is the conversion rate on blog versus earned versus direct versus paid versus social versus influenced, right? Like speak to them in that matter and say, hey, we close these ones great, but we're struggling here. Yep. They're probably earlier on that buyer's journey. So you need a different type of sales process 
for those, right? My pitch for the Facebook ads are very different than my pitch for someone who Googled my company or Googled, right? Like the problem that we have. So that, I don't know if that answered the question or not, but it's like still build the relationship where they wouldn't feel like slighted by this. Like I, I truly believe if, if Jared got the call tomorrow and said, hey, you're not rolling to the CEO anymore, you're rolling to KD, like, yeah, like we talk about this stuff all the time. It doesn't, doesn't even matter. We yep. already have that relationship. You got the right culture and the right relationship already yeah. for that. If not, you have to build the relationship, you have to build the culture, but you actually have, you have to get the decision maker on your side which would be exactly. the CEO and why yep. it will help the overall revenue of the company. Yep. That's exactly right. And I agree with you. And that's why we do the CRO readiness program. It's really, frankly, it's targeting the CEO mm -hmm. because the CEO ultimately is going to make the decisions around how these things are going to get managed, right? They're like, let's call it for all intents and purposes. They're the adult in the room. They're going to manage the way the kids are arguing with each other and they're going to make the big decisions about things. And they have to set the vision for why we're doing this. Like, why are we laddering up to this right now? Why is this disruption happening? Why is this better for the business? Right. And I think those are the important things. And I think we're seeing a lot of younger founders or maybe even like product-led founders mm. don't have the commercial capabilities to talk about things that way. And so they're kind of undermined by their own focus on maybe product development or innovations or engineering. And that's a big problem when you're getting with product-led organizations mm. who are sort of like struggling with figuring out how to make a successful commercial op operation. Whereas if you have someone in there who's more of a salesperson who built a company, they more likely inherently understand these sort of things. Yeah. And I want to touch on that real quick. And it's like, again, back to the earlier points you made, y'all, that is also the CRO's job is to properly manage up. You need to help teach your CEO what this actually means and how this actually works. Because especially depending on the stage, they may have never had a CRO before. In yep. fact, at the end of the day, the CRO role, you, you'll know this better than me. How new is this? 10, 15 years, maybe the most. I think the first one was in 2014 or something like that. 2010 right. was like the mention of it. It was in Silicon Valley and they were heads of sales and they came in and they mostly had big Rolodexes and they closed mm -hmm. big deals, you know? So it sort of did save the day. It brought commercial expertise to technical founders who didn't understand how to run businesses in Silicon Valley. And they were brought in to kind of actually commercialize a business and make it make it a big thing. You know, that's basically how it started. So now we're talking about a role that is only a decade old anyway. Yep. That has changed significantly. H huge. Over the last five years. And so mm -hmm. most CEOs haven't even had one, let alone had one in like the new call it selling and revenue environment. Managing up is so important and just as important in a CRO role as like getting all your orgs together is are you are you helping your ceo understand how a revenue org should look that's why they yep. hired you and yep. also part of your vetting process if you're being interviewed for the cro best believe those are the questions i was asking coming in around what, what luckily for me i knew the the ceo at my new company as well so it was kind of like he he knows he knows yep. i know he gets it he's like katie go go do what you do right like Go do what you do. I'm like, thanks, JP. That's what I'm yep. going to do. Good. You got that sort of relationship. I mean, the, I, I do, in fact, I have a, I'm building right now a second course on interviewing for the CRO role because mm -hmm. it's a critical thing. What ends up happening is I look at it like a bad marriage. You know, if you take the job, that's not the right job. 
you just going to end up in the wrong job. And it's hard to fix the job when you're in the job. You have to actually get the right job to start. It's, it's really hard to do. It doesn't Say usually that work. Again, it is hard to fix the job when you're in the job, y'all. That is the absolute truth. Yep. So the idea behind this is to make the job the right job or don't take the job if it's the wrong job. And that's not hard. That's hard to do. I mean, if I'm getting vetted for a chief revenue officer role and I could be making at least a half a million bucks out of the gate, you know, it's very tempting to just say yes to it. And I'm trying to tell my clients that that temptation is the danger because you just say yes to something with the idea, ah, I'll work it out. No, you won't work it out. This is not the kind of job that you can just sort of fix, you know? Yeah. And so you have to know what you're getting yourself into. And to your point, you have to first have the right questions and the right way to get the right agreements. And the four things I, I tell my clients they need is they need authority, autonomy, runway, and resources to do the job. Mm-hmm. And so that means that you need to, you have to interview your CEO. You have to interview the CEO. They're not interviewing you. You're actually interviewing them. And so, mm-hmm. you know, this is sort of a different paradigm for this particular job. And you're right. You do need to understand marketing. You have to come in with a love for marketing and a respect for marketing and what it does. And you have to be a customer centric person, really talk to customers. What do they like? Why did they buy? Why do they not renew? All the stuff that's critical for a chief revenue officer to know. And if you're not in those things, if you're biasing yourself in the sales organization, you're not going to get the whole picture. You're not. You're going to be sort of relegated to becoming a sales leader. So anyway, I, I want to make sure we kind of touch on some things that are going on with you before we, we close out because this has been an amazing conversation. So you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation some things you're up to. I'd love to have the opportunity to tell listeners what's going on. Yeah, no, I mean, aligned with it sounds like some of the stuff that you're you're working on as well. So like, what's like, I get asked some of these questions, like, you know, like, why is it the way that it is with a lot of CROs? And at yeah. the bottom of it to me is, we're never taught how. Like, it's actually comical, if you think about it. Yep. Most sales reps are never taught. That's right. Who become managers who are never taught. Yep. Who become directors who were never taught. You, Warren, did you sit through, you know, you know, LTV to CAC 347 in college? Of course not. What about like working with marketing 212? Like, nope. All on the job training. Like it's, all on the job training. It's and training is also a strong word. It is whether true. it's training. It was all you, on the job. <laughs> I guess it's not training. It was more like, you know, on the job experience. Oh, it was like punching yeah. bags, right? Exactly. Like you just you just <laughs> hand, hand combat. Hand to hand combat. I learned how to fight by getting punched, basically. Yeah. Like think think about like at a high level how ridiculous that is. It, I agree. You have individuals who are responsible for generating hundreds of millions of dollars. And their only training is basically either getting things wrong long enough and surviving to figure out what's right. Yep. Or even worse, they've been doing it wrong and they don't even know because they were blessed with a timing or opportunity of a certain company that they think their way works. Exactly. So like, I'm trying to change that from like the, the bottom of like, can we help educate and we help teach them. So like I'm launching something called the sales leadership accelerator, which is more so designed for like that manager to director level of like, truthfully, because that's also where a lot of it goes to die. You can 100%. have the best ideas in the world as a CRO, but if your managers aren't strong, it doesn't yep. matter, right? Like that's how I view my role is like my role is to develop my leaders, their yep. role is to develop their leaders, their roles to develop the, the individuals on their team. So I'm building a program called the sales leadership accelerator it's like 20 some hours of of content training all of my templates all of my blueprints you know because something that i am 
proud of in my career is I've built three, I mean, now I'm on my fourth, highly successful like revenue orgs in different industries. There's been no mm -hmm. overlap in the industry. So I know these processes work in building an org and developing managers and developing directors. So sales leadership accelerator, something that I'm working on. And then obviously taking bench to, to new heights, you know, like yep. I've got, I've got the, the five orgs under me now. I got, you know, one to two to go. And I, I got the whole squad, you know, we can get That's out. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. We are very similar missions. Uh, I agree with you. The reason I started the CRO collective is because no one's training CROs, which is preposterous. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we're doing that. We have a really great program for it. And then also to your point, training CEOs, what a commercial organization should be run like under the guise of a chief revenue officer to so help them close those gaps. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was talking about this before with a, with a person on the phone before we were talking today. And that is companies that are between, let's say, 10 and 50 million in revenues are a lot like teenagers. You know, they're not at fault for what they're doing. That's just what teenagers do. That's the, yes. that's the stage they're at. <laughs> and so you, you have to understand that it's not like they're flawed. It's that's what young organizations, how they operate. Mm -hmm. And so if I, if I, I have teenage, I have one teenager, one has already grown, but at that stage, what you do is you hope that the mistakes that the teenager makes aren't ones that they're going to have to pay consequences for, for the rest of their lives. They're going to make yeah. ones that they can fix. So similarly, I go to an or, a, a younger organizations. I understand that this is why you do things when you're at this stage. I get it. But if we can provide you some education that may accelerate your growth, you won't be 30 and regret the 10 years you wasted, you'll be at 22 and be ahead of the game. And that's what we want to do mm -hmm. is understand where you're at, not judge where you're at, but give you tools to accelerate where you want to go. And we do it through building smart revenue operations, focused on the chief revenue officer. So you and I are really kind of solving very similar problems. Um, but uh, is there anything else you'd like to share before we sign off? Um, no, I think I think we, we nailed it. I, I really do. I just think sales leaders you actually this one you need development too you need it like invest in something invest in a program get mentorship drop the the ego nonsense like you need it as well learn from people here's what i know i had a mentor tell me this early on um he said experience is actually the slowest way to learn a skill hmm. Why take 10 years to get good at something if you can learn from someone who's been good at it for 10 years, right? You can learn a lesson through experience. I touch a hot pan. I know not to touch that again. You can learn a lesson, but skill experience is the slowest way to learn. Surround yep. yourself with people that have the skills that you want. It, it's the greatest hack possible. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I, I refer to this as, um, modern day time travel. Mm, I like that. And the reason it's time travel is I'm 58. Okay. Which means that if I talk to someone who's 25, I'm a time traveler, I'm going back in time and I'm saying, I saw your future. I've already been there. I'm coming back to tell you what you're to expect. So here's five things not to do or else you could get to 58 and make the same mistakes I made. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you want to take the advice of a time traveler? I can save so much time, right? So this is, we do actually have the ability to have time travel. You just got to meet people who have been there already and learn from them and you can save time, right? So I agree, man. This is, this is, this is the way we can manage time 
uh, and kind of break the bind, the binds of what you say, the slowness of experience. It's great, great analogy. I love that. Katie, thank you, man. This is so great. I know that the audience is going to get so much out of this. Uh, really appreciate your time and uh, excited to see more what you're up to. And let's just keep talking. I really appreciate it. Sounds good, my friend. Appreciate you having me. 